have you ever seen an action movie ever? A spy movie? Just hide that shit. I mean, they're not supposed to be good at their job, boys. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 585 with our review of the entire Bad Boys trilogy. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, as I mentioned just a second ago, we're kind of going outside of the normal format. Um, this week, Bad Boys for Life came out, and uh, we were going to review that for you. But we thought, since Stephen and I maybe shamefully, maybe not, have not actually partaken in the trilogy up until this point. At least not of full sobriety and consciousness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've there were definitely scenes that I've watched before somehow, whether it was on TV or walking through a room where it was playing. Um, but this is the first time we sat down and for real watched all three of the films. Uh, so we are going to bring you a sort of triple review of Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, and Bad Boys for Life. Once again, we're going to break the format a little bit more in that because Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2 are much older films, we are going to let f- f- let free our spoiling flag and we are going to be able to talk openly about those first two films, um, spoilers included. But then when we get to the actual real review of Bad Boys for Life, it will be the normal review, spoiler free, and then I'm sure we're going we're gonna to want to have a little bit of a spoiler talk after we've gotten through that part of the review. So if you are somebody out there who listens to the MP3 feed, um, you might want to switch over to the M4A feed, uh, the enhanced feed, because you will have chapter markers for all three films. And if you really just want to know what we thought about uh, Bad Boys for Life, you can skip ahead to that. Uh, but if you want the full spoiler warning experience, you got to just do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So how you doing tonight, Stephen? I'm doing good. I... Just spent a long weekend watching a ton of Michael Bay movies, so <laughs> feeling feeling fresh. So we did we did the whole Bad Boys trilogy, both of us, this weekend. Yep. But then I also caught up with Six Underground, too, just because I felt like I needed to, like, complete the saga of <laughs> Michael Bay movies about people in cars. Um, and, and I had forced you to watch the first 20 minutes of Six yep. Underground already before one of the past reviews that we did. Because, I mean, that... Regardless of what you feel about Six Underground, the first 20 minutes of it are a must-watch. Great, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, that you part have is great. to see it. When, it's... when it opened, I was like, technically, I could start like 20-something minutes in because I've seen this already. But then immediately, no, I was like, no you, way. Yeah, I'm you definitely wanted, not going to do that. You wanted to watch all that again. Yeah. I think if somebody, if an alien came to you from another planet and said, I've heard tales of Michael Bay, who or what is Michael Bay? You just show them the first 20 minutes of Six Underground, and then they'll be like... Makes sense. It is definitely the bayest thing I've seen, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise I'm doing okay. How about you? I am doing well. Um, I think we're both sort of over our colds that we've had uh, yeah. recently in the last few weeks, so that's cool. Um, got to spend the weekend, as you said, watching all these uh, Michael Bay films, so um, I think this will be a fun fun review. Yeah. It should be. Yeah. It's Once again, we're off our game. It's off the normal format, um, but we're going to be, you know, we're just going to be getting in our car and driving wild through the streets of Miami, so it, it should be fun. <laughs> yeah. Are we um are are you gonna refresh us with the synopsis of every movie? Because I've realized I don't think I remember anything about the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we will treat each of these films sort of in the style of a normal review. So we will start with trailers for each one, mm-hmm. do a quick synopsis of the films, sort of by memory. 
<laughs> and uh, then we'll let people know what we thought. Uh, so, you ready to do this, Stephen? Yep, I'm ready. You ready to ride or die or whatever? Oh, I'll, I'll ride or die. <laughs> I'm already skidding. <laughs> okay, so we are going to start with the film Bad Boys. Uh, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Bad Boys, and then we are going to come back and give you all a review. Detectives Marcus Burnett and Mike Lowry. It was the ultimate nightmare. This was our career bus, which is what, $100 million? Just do what you do, only faster. Let's try to do this right. No gunshots, no dead bodies. If I recall correctly, the last couple dead bad guys belong to you. Please, you ain't even trying to compare body counts. Why? Uh, should I keep going all day? I'm, I'm out. No, this case. We got 72 hours before the FBI and the DEA walk in here and shut us down. You know, you drive almost slow enough to drive Miss Daisy. This murder. Witness, you, you, you ain't with the bad guys now, you with the cops. This is your getaway car. What is this? A family station wagon? Oh, my god, you got a baby seat in the back. I'm going to put them. Look at you, look at you. Can you stay focused? What are you talking about? I'm focused. Yeah, focused on all this scattered ass around here. To the ultimate test. Pictures presents. Don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. Oh man, oh, that's too much bass in your voice. That scared white folk. Martin Lawrence. We were wondering if we can borrow some brown sugar. Will Smith. You see, you, you, something wrong with you. Sir. The law will be served. Justice will be done. You forgot your boarding pass. Oh, shit. And boys will be boys. Bad boys. What you gonna do? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? All right, so the film Bad Boys, the first in this trilogy of films, um, is basically about two cops who uh, who are partners, and they work at a precinct um, which had a little uh, evidence locker, evidence vault, and a group of individuals have broken into that vault overnight and stolen two pallets full of cocaine, and... Uh, yeah, that's a lot of drugs to get on the street. Um, it's going to be their asses if they don't find it. So they have like 72 hours or some made-up restriction on how long it's going to be. And uh, they, um, through a series of events, have people close to them uh, who cross paths with the bad guys. And they have to go out on a little mission to find a witness who saw what happened in one case in which the main bad guy fought somebody. Mm. <laughs> um, um, 
uh, and killed somebody over these drugs. And they have to follow this trail that the witness has and uh, try to find the bad guys so that they can get these drugs back off the street and uh, protect everybody from this, uh, you know, bad man and these Fouché. bad drugs. Is that the name of the bad guy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, or is that the scenario? <laughs> for shame on you for not remembering his name. All right. So, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Bad Boys? I, I had competing feelings about Bad Boys. So, on the one hand, this is a pretty fucking dumb movie. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil too much, but this is going to be a through line of a lot of our reviews tonight, I think. Um, th- this is a movie where I don't think the plot holds up particularly well. I also, I, I was intrigued by how offbeat this movie was. Like, I was expecting the fully mature Michael Bay of action spectacle, spectacle acclaim, which means I was expecting kind of nonstop thrill ride of crazy shit, crazy shit, crazy shit, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, like, throwing <laughs> quips at each other while things are exploding around them. Yeah. Um, and instead, what what this is, is a much more kind of, subdued would be the nice way to put it and like incredibly uneven would be the more critical way to put it movie where there's kind of a thrilling opening a thrilling conclusion and then a solid like hour and 15 minutes in the middle of the movie where like not a whole lot is moving forward and it it plays much more as like a a comedy about like two wacky unlikely buddies basically like people who shouldn't be together but who are together needing to imitate each other um but i still found a good amount of charm just in the michael bayness of it all in this so this is the first michael bay feature length movie this is the movie that kind of aside from the aaron burr got milk commercial this is the thing that introduced the world to <laughs> michael bay um and you can see already the seeds of everything that would become his signature, right? You've got the the quick cuts, the shaky cam, the kind of irreverent sense of humor. And I think the the end of this movie, where it culminates in a kind of big shootout, car chase, extravaganza, one of multiple movies this year to end with like a big fight on a uh, on a airport tarmac, and it would not be the last in, in action movie tropes. Um that, I think, is where the movie really starts to come alive and you start to see, like, what it is about him that kind of put him on the map. Um, I don't think all the comedy works. I did kind of like, in a nostalgic way, how 90s so much of this movie felt. Uh, like, the bad guy is, like, an extremely cheesy 90s villain. I don't know what the second movie's excuse is. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Tia Leone's character, uh, Julie, who's, like, the witness that they're keeping around, she just feels, like, incredibly 90s. Like, everything about that character, about the quips, about the way that the three of them will, like, stop an important situation to, like, have a conversation about how Martin Lawrence doesn't get laid enough and stuff like that. Like, it, it all just feels very, very, very cheesy in a kind of dated way. Um, I like the recurrence of all these people that would become Sopranos people like <laughs> Michael Imperioli and uh, Joe Pantoliano, who is the chief or the captain who's going to appear in all the movies. Um, yeah, there was fun stuff to recommend it, but it was also kind of shaky. Like if this were the first movie of Michael Bay's I had seen, I would think like that guy knows how to stage a stunt film. And I don't know that he should be making his own movies. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, I, I would not yet know because I think the story is pretty uneven and the plot is kind of like, like, basically the lead characters save this movie from what would otherwise be just a kind of like, I think, unendurably long, like, stakeless plot situation. But it, I, I had fun watching it anyway. Yeah, I, I think that this film 
spoilers for the rest of the reviews, I think is the weakest of the films. Um, I know the critical consensus is that the second one may be weaker, at least that the Rotten Tomatoes score is to um, be something you judge it by. It's definitely lower for the second one. But I think that this film doesn't quite yet know what it wants to be. And that's, you know, this is somebody who didn't watch them in real time. This is somebody mm-hmm. who watched them after the fact in one large block. Okay, this is year before midnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except for in that... The journey is getting to know these people who are getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. We are now watching partners who maybe we'll find out chronologically haven't been partners for too long. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still two partners who um, y- this film is supposed to survive based on the, the, the chemistry that those two have. And while they do have some of that chemistry, they haven't really like sat in – they haven't like synced into – what they want to be. Um, the later films, that may be much stronger than mm-hmm. here. Um, and I think for me, this is a film that doesn't have enough bay to override my crisp brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are a number of things in the story that seem silly to me. Not because the story is dumb, but because the things they're talking about don't make sense in their own context. So, for instance, one of the big plot beats, which is running through the entire film, is that the witness girl, right before her friend gets killed, she says, the only person in the world I would trust if I was in trouble is Mike Lowry. Mm -hmm. So... When she gets in trouble, she calls the police station. She says, I will only speak to Mike Lowry. Martin Lawrence's character is not Mike Lowry, but he has to, on the phone, pretend like he's Mike Lowry. And we get into this situation where now he, they have to be, pretend to be each other. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, once, she's, once, she ha- once the witness has the trust, because obviously she lets Will Smith come in. and she's fine with him also helping once they get together the jig is up at that point there is no reason to continue the charade of who is who because she's already agreed to work with everybody and she's fine with both of them being there so it's this whole plot mechanic of them pretending to be each other which has some humorous moments but they're sort of front-loaded and later on they become less so and they even play the characters though she's figuring out that that each of them are each other mm-hmm. but it doesn't really amount to anything it's just this gag that's running through the whole thing which doesn't make sense because now that they're both in the house why don't they just say who they each are um so that sort of stuff um sort of didn't make a lot of sense to me you know it was like a thing that that didn't really uh it it, it felt like it was extra and didn't really need to be there mm-hmm. then you have um the running gag between these two characters is Martin Lawrence's character is like the the real cop who has to live his life on a cop's salary, and uh, Will Smith's character is the trust fund kid and has all this crazy stuff. Fucking Martin Lawrence's house is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like he's not hurting for anything. Sure, he doesn't have the fancy car that Will Smith has, but he's definitely not like, oh, I really need this job because if I don't keep this job, everything's gonna be terrible for me. So it's like this running gag about how rich Will Smith is, but like, you're pretty rich too. I think. <laughs> have you considered that you've just been living in San Francisco too long? maybe but like, I, I he think has that, multiple rooms but he has multiple stories and like it looks like a nice house and uh, it's like on the water yeah that's like, true i feel i feel like he hey, has, you're filming in miami it better be on the water yeah. I, I just feel like there's a bunch of things where it's like you're trying to convince me that these characters have this relationship based on a past but 
the past that you're writing about, we're not seeing the reality of it. So when these jokes happen, they don't feel they don't land with the same weight that they would normally. Um, but all in all, this is like it, it's a fine film. It feels like any of the other action films that I would have watched back in the '90s. Um, but it, it definitely feels like I want more from from it, especially from these two characters who I have grown up watching a bunch of their other films. Like <laughs> I I used to go to the movies with my dad all the time and watch a bunch of like the old Martin Lawrence films like Blue Streak and Nothing to Lose and yeah. like a bunch of these things, even like Big Mama's House. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm used to seeing him as a comedic actor. And then Will Smith obviously has a, a million films that I've been growing up watching him. So watching these two play off each other, they don't yet have that like brotherly love or that sort of like real partner vibe that I know these two can have because I've seen them do that in other things. So it feels like a film that is like the starting components of what a film could be. Yeah. No, I I think I see that. And I do, I think the running gag about the switched identities is kind of what hurts the pace of the movie to me because it kind of, it really slows down to enjoy that joke. And I also don't think the payoff is really worth it beyond the first maybe 10 minutes or something. Yeah. Uh, Like, I feel like it doesn't mine it for as much insanity as I would have expected if it was going for a full, like, Freaky Friday is a bad comp. But, like, there are plenty of movies <laughs> where, like, people are having to assume the other person and, like, yeah. there's something funny that comes from that. And this just kind of, like, it's very low-key about it in a way that, like, doesn't make sense if I were making this movie not as the beginning of a, like, franchise that was going to exist forever, yeah. but as, like, a movie that just had to hold up on its own. Um, but then I do, I also kind of respect how, like, chill and hangouty the movie feels like it does yeah it doesn't quite feel the need to impress you all the time the way that michael bay would eventually become um but yeah the the humor was hit or miss for me but it was i i I think also just seeing martin lawrence again made me made me feel good (laughs) yeah yeah. uh yeah so uh any last comments about the first film before we get into verdicts for bad boys um i think if we are rating big bads in the franchise even though this movie i agree is like a mo- it it might be the weakest of the uh, we'll see i to me this is probably going to tie with another one that we talk about but i think this villain is the best villain of the three um i think his character is just over the top in the right way and i kind of believe like the ruthlessness of his organization in the way that other bad guys didn't work for me the same yeah, I mean, you you get who he is, and you get the he, he's not uh he is not a like Dark Knight Joker style character where he's just like oh I'm crazy. He is methodical and villainous mm-hmm. in a way where like his whole intro that we see him at is that he uh, they hire a guy to dress as a police officer to be the distraction, but the distraction is that they shoot him so that all the cops in the city rush to the aid of the downed officer. Yeah. Um, so you see his willingness to kill people indiscriminately um, just because that's the that's his plan. Yeah. It, um, I, I also think his gang, like his posse of bad guys, are all just very like memorable and distinctive looking in a way that was fun. Like, like there's all these different characters who they're going to run into throughout the movie and one by one have to kind of take out. And each one of them, it, it does this thing where when you see them for just an instant, you know, like, oh, that's one of the bad guys yeah. in a way that I found fun. And again, kind of very 90s whereas the 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 bad guys in bad boys 2 
that we talk about, like, I found basically nothing to distinguish them from anyone else in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, it was really hard. You didn't get a feel for these kind of, like, fun, over-the-top character actors playing all the henchmen. So yeah, that, yeah. that was kind of a, a fun to be had, especially in, like, the, the nightclub scene in this movie. It was kind of fun, like, seeing them be like, oh, shit, it's that guy! Um, so I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, the opening of this film is is kind of the best part of the film where you get to see the bad guy and his crew execute this heist in like a very methodical and like oh that's actually like a good plan yeah (laughs) um so i think that that is the sort of stuff that doesn't really carry out through the rest of the film it's a thing that like you get to see that and you're like okay cool i'm mad for this cool cool these bad guys are blah 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 and then you're like okay it's just Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, and then the 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 chief guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think casting uh, Joe Pen, Joe Pantoliano. Yeah, Joe Pantoliano. I think that is one of the better decisions they made in this franchise because in all these movies, seeing him again is like a high point for me. So oh, for sure, I'm, I'm for sure a fan of uh, whatever he's bringing to the movie. He's de- my, my favorite version of him. Spoilers for later in the review is in the second film when he's like doing all the Wu Shaw stuff. Uh. And, like, <laughs> Serenity now. <laughs> he's de- he's definitely like playing. I mean, th- they're doing the trope of like the chief is mad at them because they're always ruining everything in the city, but he really sells it in this like when he's drinking his uh, Pepto Bismol. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I think what this really establishes is so that the Michael Bay style that this brings up it kind of reminds me of like. In Uncut Gems, there are moments when the soundtrack is so loud, you can barely hear what people are saying. I feel like in Michael Bay movies, the style, like the editing, is so intense that you can't always understand what's happening anymore, even in just basic conversations. And there's a way in which, like, his character and the whole signifier of, like, the chief doesn't want the bad boys to, like, he wants to keep them on a leash. He doesn't want them to screw stuff up. But it's so shorthanded, it almost doesn't exist. It's just kind of like, yeah, you know this story, so he's going to say a few things, and then, you know, th- three seconds later, they're going to be on their way, and he'll be fine again. Like, yeah. th- th- There's just an interesting thing about this movie where they're, like, they're not trying to set up stakes in that traditional way. They're more just, like like having a like hangout movie with the vague assumption that those stakes exist well i I kind of thought that was fun so that's the thing is for the majority of the runtime of this film they there technically are no stakes to them i mean there have been consequences but there aren't stakes because Mm -hmm. to them they're just trying to get drugs back before like the cia person or whoever's higher than whatever their division is comes in and like takes them off of yeah detective work or whatever the whatever bad the guy is, is the rule of law basically. yeah yeah but but once the bad guy knows the connection through the witness then there become real stakes mm-hmm. where it's like the shit just got real yeah <laughs> so which can can there be a character with more like inscrutable motives than the witness in this and the way she just like shows up to like scenes where they're fighting the bad guy and then later like moments later she's yelling like you call this protective custody it's like <laughs> yeah you fucking ruined protective custody <laughs> yeah none of that matters but it, i i felt like they really went far in making like yeah my actions are not going to make any sense in this movie yeah but what does that say for verdicts, though, Stephen? So let's go ahead and get to verdicts for Bad Boys, the first mm-hmm. film. Stephen Miller, if you're going to miss a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you have given it if it were in theaters? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is all about, like, ooh, putting myself in those shoes. So there's always a curve. 
in this case, it would be the kind of fun action movie curve, the curve with which Furious 7 gets like a must-see. Um, I, I would give this one uh, a rental, I guess, just to give it room to grow. I think it's a totally fun hangout movie. <laughs> it's exactly the kind of thing you throw on on a Sunday and like, like shoot the shit to like maybe like check a few emails while it's on maybe pay close attention <laughs> check all those emails during the middle of the film yeah like 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 it's a movie that has because of the cast especially it has like enough to recommend it but it's not really doing anything special and i think now in a world where we already know this story and these tropes so well and michael bay style it isn't really the best example of any of them and it is hard to even in a world where we could erase all action films between 1995 or whatever this came out and till now, we, except for obviously this trilogy, the trilogy itself frames it within the modern landscape of what action films are mm-hmm. doing at those times and how the things – like just the delivery of the lines and stuff and the, the cheesiness of the story is so 90s. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to gauge that against a film that would come out today. Um, but – but yeah, yeah, I kind of couldn't believe that. This, so this and Heat came out in the same year, and I kind of couldn't believe that this predated it because it almost felt like this was like parodying some of the stylistic things that Michael Mann was going to do. Uh, but I'm sure they're both drawing from another well, and I just don't know the like canonical example they're both pointing to. Yeah. Well, I am also going to give it a wait for rental. Um, if it was the film that we had watched in theaters way back then, um, which is one of the first films we've done for a while that predates the podcast, mm-hmm. so that's all fun. Um, but yeah, so two rentals from us, and that means it is time to get into our review of Bad Boys 2. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Bad Boys 2, and then we're going to come back and give you all a review. some of it. Well, well, I was at a family barbecue. <laughs> Since 9-11, we've gone high-tech over the water, so the dope runners have gone low. The biggest shipment on record is coming in tonight, and we want to know who's behind it. What can go wrong with that? With you alive. I can't be in a gunfight every day. We just want to talk. You want to talk? They can't hear you because they're still shooting at you. You all right, man? Bullets, man. All. You didn't tell Marcus about us. No. Mike, he's my brother, okay? Don't be scared. Whoa, hey, I ain't say I was scared. <laughs> Just something wrong with your brother. Mike, did you notice when we left, everybody was dead? No, no. We didn't kill the one dude. This has got to be the worst, most emotional cop week of my life. Yeah, it's been a little rough. The United States does not negotiate with hostage takers. This is not just a situation. It's my sister. I don't want to know what you guys are cooking up. We ride together. We die together. 
Bad boys for life. All right, so Bad Boys 2 is the follow-up to Bad Boys, obviously. Um, But instead of drugs being stolen from uh, the evidence locker and being re-released onto the streets, there is a new baddie in town, or outside of town, who is uh, bringing his drugs into the city via... Oh, yeah, he's bringing drugs into the city um, in these uh, coffins and then smuggling money back out of the city... In cadavers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this big bad is doing this, and uh, our bad boys um, learn about uh, this drug deal going down. They try to do a bust. Of course, they bust not the big bad. They bust just some, you know, little racist KKK members, and they only get two bags of drugs. Um, and nobody believes them that their tip was real, and they kind of go off to try to prove themselves and show that this uh drug cartel guy is trying to bring all these drugs into Miami and they try to follow the source back and find um, where he is and what he's doing and uh, you know they do the thing that they do which is go sort of off the book and uh, be bad boys (laughs) Stephen Miller what did you think of bad boys too um, I think this is definitely the fast five of the trilogy. <laughs> this is this is where they become Team America World Police. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, Bad Boys, the original, is so contained, right? It, it's confined to Miami, but it's also confined to a relatively small case where the stakes, there's a personal element, but for the most part, it's very much like, I want to stop these guys because my ass is on the line, you know, we need to we need to figure out where the drugs went so we can get them back. End of story. And it's kind of subdued, you know, it ha- it has its major set pieces but not the same caliber, not the same budget, I think. And this movie everything <laughs> just kind of goes fucking crazy. Yeah. Um including like if I can say the negative before I praise the action in this movie, it goes crazy to the point where the plot is like so unmemorable. I like I truly beyond the set pieces, I'm having trouble recalling it. And I watched it yesterday. <laughs> um, I I mean, so th- there are things uh, I I like the casting again. I think these movies always do a great job of casting secondary characters. Uh, Michael Shannon as the KKK guy was a fun. Uh, it, th- like this film's biggest crime is not having more Michael Shannon. Yeah, it definitely did not use Michael Shannon to his fullest potential. Um, but but I thought it was fun. Um, I like, again, uh, the the captain, the chief, starts his real great lines here. My favorite that I wrote down while watching it is, I'm going to have so much brass up my ass, I could be playing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> 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 he would follow that up with a colonoscopy line in the, in the third movie. Yeah. Um, but it really, like, this is about the action, and not just the action, this is about the cars, right? It seems like... Michael Bay realized the best part of Bad Boys was the end, the chase scene at the end of that last movie that ends with Will Will Smith telling Martin Lawrence, like, that is how you drive from now on. When you drive, that's how I want you to drive. <laughs> and it seems like he took that message to heart in a very real way because by my rough tally, there are at least three rather extended set pieces that are, like, solely 
car-based action in this yeah. movie. Uh, there's the probably the best one, I think, is the car chase that involves a truck that is dropping other cars and then a boat, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is just... And like that is the closest to Six Underground that this franchise gets, I think, is like that chase and just the havoc that Michael Bay is like giddily throwing out in the in the streets. However much is CG, what is practical, I don't even know, but it feels like a lot of shit blew up in real life. Yeah. Um. To to make this movie, Uh, there's another car chase where the same thing is happening, but with bodies in the movie. There is a car chase in Cuba where, in the most Team America thing ever, there's literally like a period of five minutes where they are just driving through shacks like, <laughs> that, that was the thing you when we, when we when we talked you had not seen that scene yet mm. and i was like man i i don't even want to tell you yet like when it, that that scene where it's like it, you joked about fast five or whatever i think fast five is the one where they run on top of the shacks yeah, yeah. and it's like they went to the same set and just drove a hummer through that <laughs> down a hill and i was like this where this is all the budget is building an entire city on the side of a mountain and then driving a Hummer through it. Yeah, just to destroy it. And then it, it really does get to, like, there's no point analyzing these movies from a perspective of what if this is serious? What is it saying about the world? Clearly, the message would be terrible. It's like rogue cops want to be able to, like, beat the shit out of people and, like, not check what is legal and what is not and, like, drive into shacks in foreign countries and just assume nobody's in them. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy on its surface, but it is also just so, like, hilariously over the top in the way that they solve these things. Like, that whole – that destruction – that involves the Cuban army, a, a giant mansion with like a little girl that they don't know exists, I don't think, at the beginning. Um, the body count is insane, and it is all to rescue one person from Cuba when the government said they're not allowed to do it anymore. That's when they call in the SEAL bros. That's when they call in, like, it is just so over the top. And, and it really is, I think, the, like the most Michael Bay thing that, well, Six Underground, it competes with Six Underground for being the most Michael Bay thing I've seen in a long time. Because um, it it just has, it has the the driving set pieces, the ridiculous destruction. It has the like military bros who are like, yeah, I'm a contractor. I'm going to show you how it's done. And <laughs> just like yeah. wreak havoc on their own in a kind of very, you know, uh, 13 hours type of way. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it was silly. It was very silly. Between the set pieces, could not tell you what happened. I do not remember at all. And so there there were probably still periods of time where the movie dragged for me. But the, the over-the-top ridiculousness was a lot of fun, even as the dumbness kind of kept increasing. And I think Will Smith and um, Martin Lawrence, their banter does get better. Like, they've settled into more of a groove here. So they they have more kind of funny back and forths and the way that they tease each other. I think there's a, a period of time where Martin Lawrence is telling him about like not being able to get an erection. There's a, <laughs> a, another precursor of conversations that'll happen in the third movie. Um, yeah, it is silly. It is very, very, very silly. But the Havoc was impressive. He is definitely blowing up a lot of money in this movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, the first film, I think the budget was something around $13 million or $19 million. And then the budget for this film was $130 million, 
large step up. Yeah. Um, I, it helps to do uh, Armageddon and Pearl Harbor in between those yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is definitely a film where it's like, I got a shit ton of money to just put all that money on the screen and do fun action that I thought was would be cool. And that's what Michael Bay did. Um, I think that this is sort of... Michael Bay has become pro-military, but hasn't connected that to America Go yet. Hmm. So this, like, it's not quite the jingoistic message of some of his future films, but he is just, like, obsessed with, like, yeah, I'm going to put, like, ex-Delta Force people and, like, all these people and, like, guys with guns and straps and, like, all sorts of stuff. And it's It's like like Trump is casting it. Like, I want a big, strong, (laughs) burly man. (laughs) We got the hottest soldiers. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so so he he's definitely starting to get obsessed with the might that is the military forces of America, but you don't see the American flags going everywhere like you see in like you know transformers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so but but you do get like this opens with a huge mission where like you you're not even watching a bad boys movie yet. You're watching some military strike that's about to happen to take down all these people, and then it sort of like does the joke as it switches from being like this KKK rally to like the two of them pulling off their robes and being like, yeah, check it out. We're here. We're going to fight you now. Um, But I I think that he really goes above and beyond with the action. And it's like, this starts to feel like the Michael Bay that we now know. And Mm -hmm. I think that this is really in this series, at least him coming into his own. But on top of that, on top of all the fun, um, all the action, all the ridiculousness of bodies flying all over the road. There's like that scene you were talking about with the army at the end. They literally have like C4 on a radio controlled car that they drive up to some soldiers playing soccer and they all go up and play with it and then they explode it and you see the limbs go flying everywhere the way you see them in like Six Underground. Mm-hmm. But outside of all that stuff, they nail the relationship stuff between these characters. Like, I think this is what they wanted to do in the first film. Like, these characters, the, the you know, the actors, everybody participating realized what the first film was and now they're just having fun and i think the first film was like we're trying to make an action film let's let's do this and the second film was like we're bad boys let's just fucking do this <laughs> like it, it's a different attitude and they really sell that relationship i believe these guys have been working together for 10 years or whatever right like i i feel their relationship and then when they they do a smart thing which is they add a sister for marcus that can be in this little thing where he she's sort of in a relationship with with um mike and now their relationship together, the partners, gets to play off of that relationship. And it, it ups the stakes of the relationships between them. And then they, I think this is the first one they start to bring in the idea of wanting to not be bad boys anymore. Uh-huh. And, I like, there are emotional stakes between the characters. And that adds this level of authenticity to what these characters are doing. And it's not just these two guys going off and being bad boys. It's... These two guys who feel like a unit. And like I, I think for the first time I was like, yeah, like not only are you nailing the relationship between these characters, not only are there is their humor working like way more for me the second time around, but then you also have this insane action that makes up for everything. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the worst part about this film is the fucking villain. <laughs> he is by far the worst actor I've ever seen. <laughs> and like every time he's on he's just screen, a little dweeb, basically. Yeah, like he doesn't like, he thinks he's in the first film, and now they're, like, getting a little more serious, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they cast that guy. Like, I think if they swap these two villains, I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be able to be <laughs> it's right. like the same story. But, I mean, I, I feel like the seriousness of this guy is just 
not there and it feels really dumb and yeah like him with his mom and like it just feels like that is the immature michael bay like having those back and forth with those people and acting in that way but mm-hmm. then you have the more mature relationship that you have with with you know uh, so i have a question for you and this is genuine because again it is just completely gone from my brain <laughs> what All of these movies, there's something between them that, like, they are working through or that they're trying to learn. What is it in this movie? Because it isn't him fucking his sister because that's only, like, revealed at the end and it's kind of, like, thrown out (laughs) without a whole lot more. Like, what what is the... What is the dynamic in this movie, like, against... It's, I mean, it's, getting, shot, it's getting shot in the butt. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a metaphor for their relationship. Mm-hmm. Mike is the wild one, and he's yeah. going to go off and do all the crazy shit. And, uh, you know, Marcus, he's got a family. He's, like, trying to, like, do this thing, and he's realizing that he should settle down and maybe have some more relaxing yeah. time. And whoosha. <laughs> whoosha. <laughs> and I, I think it's really about, like... When we were younger, we were bad boys, and we're still bad boys now, but sometimes I don't want to be that bad of a boy, and I don't want to be, like, almost dying all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think I think before sort of the, the – the, there's a little bit of animosity between, between where their lifestyles were. It was just sort of like, I'm the party guy, and he's like, oh, man, I settled down, and I can't really party like you could. And in this one, it's like – oh, I don't want a party like you could. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still like, no, we got to go out there and do this shit. Yep. So, Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then there's the sister it, thing. It bleeds into the third movie. That's yeah, why yeah, I'm having, sure. having trouble keeping track of them. Yeah, no, no. I, I definitely think it does. Yeah. I do have to say I like the parallelism of this movie ends with, now that's how you're supposed to shoot. From now on, that's how you shoot. <laughs> yeah. I was so ready so ready for him to learn a third thing in the third movie, and we'll find out if he does. Yep. There, there's one more thing I want to talk about. Like, for the first, first film, I talked about things where it's like, we're doing these because we think we're supposed to, but it's not really, like, cool and doesn't really make sense. I, I, I like the general story of what they're do, trying to do. Like, we know this stuff's happening. We have to get the proof. We'll try to go sort of semi-illegal about our proof just so that we can get a legit warrant so that we can go... Oh, yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the big things is... The Miami police have arrested this guy, the villain, multiple times. But every time they arrest him, not only does he get off, but he sues the police department and ends up getting like a $9 million settlement. So basically, the police force knows he's bad yeah. and knows the drugs are probably from him, but they will not do anything about it without absolute proof. <laughs> oh. uh, well, <laughs> but so basically, they won't do anything about it until they have enough proof to actually arrest him. Um, so they go off on these little missions where they try to get proof. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I am all for going around and bugging mansions um, so that you can try to get proof so you can do a thing. That's just a Wednesday. Uh, or, or, or bugging morgues. That's, that's cool, too. Sure. The thing is, the cameras they're putting around... They're not hiding them. They're just like, at one point, there is like a medical sign on the door. So it's a big white sign and a big red cross or big red plus sign. He just puts the camera in the center of the plus sign. (laughs) Like, it's just anybody walking through that room is going to see this camera there. It's not hidden. And then, like, Martin Lawrence, like, puts it right on top of the light where it's like a little black box sticking on top of an all-white light canister thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like... Come on, guys. Just Have you ever seen an action movie ever? A spy movie? Just hide that shit. I mean, they're not supposed to be good at their job, boys. (laughs) 
True, true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're bad at their job voice. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a bunch of silly things like that that makes me remember that this isn't like a legit, <laughs> like we're trying to make sure everything is as cool as possible. Like it's not trying to be Mission Impossible, right? It's just yeah. bad boys trying to have fun. But yeah, it just moments like that. I was like, come on, you guys are doing so good. Why did you just do this? <laughs> but yeah. Should we get to verdicts then for sure. bad boys too? All right, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give Bad Boys 2 a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? It's teetering, but on the strength of the moment that the boat comes out on the freeway, <laughs> it's, go- it's going up to recommend with a caveat. Um, I think, again, this is like a very kind of empty calorie action flick. As it, I like, I'm not playing this up. Like I truly watched it yesterday, and I could I can't remember anything beyond the set pieces. Uh, but it's it's fun. It's very again. All of these are like date themselves in a kind of fun way, and this is very early aughts insanity. And it is kind of like Michael Bay coming into his bayness a little bit more. Um, and yeah, the car chases are a whole lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, it it's stupid, but it's fun. Yeah, I, I think this movie is awesome. <laughs> I'm going to give it a big recommend with a caveat. Um, oh, I, I thought you were going to go all the way. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Not, if, if they had a better villain, I think this might this might be able to be go all the way-ish enough to, to kind of pull off that. Um, but yeah, as we said with, or as I said with the first one, it's impossible to not have some sort of like reverse curve of being like a film made in 1995 that's kind of not the best well written, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like my English. <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to judge that against modern day films. Likewise, it's hard to not look at this progression that has come from Bad Boys to Bad Boys 2. And while there's some really terrible acting in the second one, I think the action and sort of the relationship stuff pushes it over the line and makes this. Uh, it's a good step up from uh, Bad Boys, the first one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a big uh, recommend. So there you have it. That means it is time for us to talk about Bad Boys for Life, which is an unfortunate title since they're making a fourth Bad Boys, apparently, already. Mm-hmm. And they've already uh, they've already ruined the four life part. I told you forever. That's going to be it. Mark my words. It's uh, Well, you've heard it here, folks. Yep. Bad Boys forever. All right, so since we are getting into the part of the franchise that came out this weekend, um, we are going to treat this as a normal review. So spoilers are gone. Actually, we, I feel like the last one we didn't actually talk that much directly about spoilers. Yeah, not really. Except for a few action beat moments. I mentioned but, where it ends, but that's about it. Yeah. So for this one, it is going to be spoiler-free until maybe the ending, where we're going to have to talk about a few things in this story, um, which are probably worth talking about. Uh, but yeah, so we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Bad Boys for Life. man you can get that buffed out no you can get that buffed out remember knock and talk yeah knock knock mighty pd get down what the hell happened to knock and talk hands behind your head right now i got this i'm gonna penetrate this man's soul with my heart what watch and learn sir i realize that you're scared you know sometimes how deep you think you got in his soul 
I'm done, Mike. I'm retiring. Uh-oh, here we go again. You want your legacy to be muscle shirts and body counts? Look at this mess, it's carnage. I didn't do all this. You didn't shoot anybody? Well, come on, Cap, you know I shot some people. Yeah. I'm sticking my neck out for you on a skinny limb, and I'm tithering at the edge of it. You mean teetering, Cap? That's what I said! All right, I'm just... In these streets, I never trusted anybody but you. I'm asking you, man. Bad boys. One last time. One last time. I'm the definition of half man, half drugs. Ask the clubs, bad boy, that's what's up. He's trying to do a all. We're not just black, we're cops too. We'll pull ourselves over later. It's <laughs> official. I survived what I've been through. Y'all got drama, the saga continues. about the glasses. I've been telling your ass for a year. He can't be stopped now. Damn, Mike. He's in like HD. Bad boys, bad boy. Hey, what's she gonna do? What's, what's she gonna do when we come in? Hey, hey, hey uh-uh, no, no, never. Y'all will never do that again. All right, so that was the trailer for Bad Boys for Life. And uh, yeah, in this one, uh, our characters are much older. Um, one of them is maybe thinking about getting out of the biz, uh, trying to retire as a bad boy. And uh, the other one is still wanting to go strong and still be a bad boy for life. And um, somebody comes into town and has started killing off people who have uh, maybe participated in a few cases throughout the history of the Miami PD. And uh, our heroes need to figure out who it is that's hunting down all the people that they know, love, work with, etc., and uh, hopefully stop the bad guys before there's no one left to protect. <laughs> yep. Um, so, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Bad Boys for Life? I think I got a lot more enjoyment out of this movie having seen the other two so soon before it. Because it it does do a lot of fan service of kind of like paying homage to the prior installments. And it's easy to forget when watching it that the first movie came out like 25 years ago. Like, this is a yeah. long time for a franchise to just keep going with the same characters, there's no passing of the baton, there's no real, like, major shakeup or anything. Like, they got the same guys, and not just the same lead characters, but, like, a ton of the secondary characters show up again. I mean, Cap is back, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, Marcus's family is still there. I'm pretty sure all the actors are the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a great reveal that I won't spoil of a character who is only in, like, I, th I don't know, 45 seconds of the second movie who shows up again here in a fun way. Um, there is some joy there in just feeling like they got the gang back together in a time when the bad boy story, maybe it was never current, but certainly today it is definitely not current. <laughs> the story of the, the police officers who just like fuck shit up to try to like get their own way and solve things on their own. Yeah. Um, and it, 
I think this is the funniest of all of them. Uh, I, I oh, yeah. think the the comedy in this movie was genuinely laugh out loud. It helped seeing it in theaters, I think. But like, I was laughing many times in this movie, especially a scene on a plane is extremely funny. Yeah. Um, but throughout it, it, it is just a funny movie that I think like it veers between comedy and action the best of the trilogy and quite a bit better than the first one, which I think was the one that really tried hard to throw a lot of comedy in there. Um, I, I like that. I like the casting in this movie too. I thought like Vanessa Hutchins, it was fun to see her get to be like a, I, I don't know what I've seen her in, in the last few years, but I, I haven't gotten to see her do this kind of like fun action sidekick role before. Did you not see Sucker Punch? I didn't see Sucker Punch. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's my problem. Um, yeah, there was just in general a lot of fun there. The The action set pieces are still really fun, but it it isn't... It is set piece heavy, but it isn't quite as destruction heavy, I don't think, as, uh, I, I mean, the end. Okay, the end is destruction <laughs> heavy. But it isn't as, like, giddily destructive as the second movie. I feel like it is more, like, let's do a well-choreographed action set piece where the person we are chasing or trying to get, there's something interesting about their ability to get away. And there's something about, like, their dynamic... It, it felt like it wasn't as broad, but it was as exciting to me as anything in the second movie was in the action level. Um, I think the the big bad in this movie, at least the the main one who we see physically doing things most of the time, yeah. I, I think the way he moves is really cool and interesting. I think he is a like good threatening figure and things involving him I had a lot of fun with. And and there was just a lot of humor that comes from like the the young ammo crew kind of working with these like old guys and figuring things out that I yeah. thought was funny. So in general, I thought there was a lot of entertaining stuff about it. It is still very dumb, but there is the dumbness is grounded a little bit more in this meta reality of, you know, we're getting old. We can't do this forever. This is us having another hurrah. It would maybe be more poetic if a fourth one hadn't been announced because it could be like the last hurrah instead. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it ties real stakes too. So it does something that the other movies haven't done and makes it personal right away. Like it makes there be a, a reason that Martin Lawrence's character might want to pursue that feeling of I'm out of this. I'm not doing it anymore. And a reason that Will Smith's character is going to double triple down in his desire to be a part of the action. And I think it motivates that character growth in a way that the other movies don't do. So yeah, overall, I think it is, it is a more complete story I think the set pieces are not as phenomenal as they are in the second movie, but I think they are still like enough to keep it entertaining beat to beat. And overall, I have I had a pretty fun time watching it. So I didn't didn't love it. Wasn't like over the moon about it, but I I had fun. So yeah, I, I th this is one of those films that like you can't even take it on its own without like looking at everything that's come before it. <laughs> um, and I know that's a silly thing to say when we're talking about a trilogy here, but I really think that this film takes everything that's gone before and builds it up more and builds it up better. And I think that this film is like a matured version of everything that's happened in the last two films mm -hmm. in a way that like honestly super impressed me. I think the, the, uh, the relationship stuff is like solid. Before, it was like I was praising Bad Boys 2 because it did right by sort of the gaps in Bad Boys 1. This feels like full-on legit, like I believe these two, 
their relationship together and just that whole it's not just one guy saying like maybe we don't need to be bad boys anymore it's like it's a real emotion on both sides of that sort of tug like tug between the two of them and it feels like a real like emotional ride that these two are being on like you feel the last 25 years of their life together and it's not just a isn't it fun that we do all this stuff it's it's like damn we we like have been through shit and maybe we don't want to be through shit anymore. We just want to get on with our lives. Um, but things thrust them into having to be in the shit. And I, I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. Like it's been ramping up and this one solidified itself as like, no, like this is like a serious film now. Like the, the stakes in this film for the first time matter from the get-go. Like it's not just a, oh, it's just the the bad guy of the week and then stuff starts to get real as they get farther and farther into the thing. It's like from the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, people we know and love and care about are getting killed. And we need to figure out, like, what to do about that. <clears throat> and maybe we're scared to do that because the thing that we're facing off against this time is scary compared to all the idiots that we've been fighting yeah. up until now. Like, this is the first time that they're fighting, like, a serious foe who has stuff. Um, the film has maybe... A little bit of the problem of they're just inventing whole cloth, this whole backstory to stuff that yep. um, on some level kind of annoys me. It, it, it just cheapens it a little bit how they're like, well, let's just pretend like there were some bad guys that have always been around, but like they weren't involved for now. And now we're going to use them. It, I mean, the to be honest, the Fast and the Furious franchise did the same thing. Like, oh, turned out the guy you beat had a brother. Now he's really <laughs> pissed. <laughs> right like now he's your friend (laughs) yeah so they they like it's fine that they do that it's not a real complaint it's just at first i kind of felt a little bit let down that it was kind of like a retconning of a history but then like the way they work it out like i was like no i'm I'm good i'm (laughs) i'm on board for what's going on yeah i i think they do that well though i do feel and we can talk about it if we're doing spoilers there there's definitely a missed opportunity i think to really tie it back to the original movie and I, I can't really think of why they didn't do it because I don't think it would have been very hard to tweak things and make it more specifically call back to like something about the events of movie number one and I don't really know why they decided to just invent a whole new backstory instead it, it doesn't really add anything to me but whatever maybe there's a reason for I mean, it I, I think it lends to a lot of good opportunities for humor mm. yeah sure that's true. <laughs> and some good opportunities for like uh just just shots interconnecting different things mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. um but i will say too that this is the first film that has not been directed by michael yeah Bay. i was gonna mention um, that too and what is fun is this film sort of makes fun of that like it, it there are things that there are uh motifs uh that exist throughout all, the entire series and this film plays with those and sort of represents them to you and then jokingly fucks with them a little bit Mm -hmm. and i think that that was a great nod to the past films but also a nod to like who these characters are and the real the realisticness of who they are now versus who they were then and i think that um, that was just an, an element of this story that i found very very entertaining yep and well and, and that does speak to how the action sequences feel more subdued a little bit because it doesn't have the bay sense of like horniness for cars and yeah. explosions like it is more like i'm going to craft this into more of a like 
a born series type of like fight, you know, where someone is almost spy like and we're trying to catch them, you know, and it, yeah. it it feels a lot more like a kind of traditional action movie. So it doesn't have quite the same unique flair, but I do think it purposely calls attention to that and has fun with it. So yeah. it, it fits the subject matter, I think. There, there was a funny moment earlier on in the story um, where uh, he is chasing down a person who's like, it's the first person that Will Smith has fought in the series, like in hand-to-hand combat, who feels as gnarly as fighting like yeah. himself, right? So this this character rides off on a motorcycle, and then I was like, I was like, I bet you're glad you did all that work in Gemini, man. And I was, I was I'm, like, I was waiting for him to get on a motorcycle and chase after him, and then do like wheelies and shit. <laughs> But that that doesn't happen, sadly. Uh, I, I was going to say we can talk in spoilers how much this movie could tie into Gemini Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I I I think this film, I, I think this film honestly earns being brought back and having it be a trilogy instead of these, just these two films. Because the first one was like cool nineties action nineties action flick. Second one tried to go a little bit above and beyond and now this feels like eh, these people are maybe getting a little older so they want to just come back and do another fun film and i think that this really it it did an honest try at being like why do we need a third film and it was like well these characters have advanced in life they have a lot of other things going for them now this is the life that they would have and how they would sort of respect that relationship and i i think that this is like a a good earnest attempt to follow up this series and as you said it's a little bit tamped down by the fact that they've already announced that there's a fourth one in the works which mm-hmm. i mean i assume it's doing well and that's why they are going forward with the fourth one um but yeah i i think that it's if you if you thought why do we need another bad boys film this film does a good job of telling you why you need another bad boys film mm-hmm. yeah i i think i agree with that <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make a I, I still, and maybe it's because I watched them all so close together, I still don't feel franchisey about this series. Like, it, do, it doesn't feel like an institution the way that, like, like the Fast and Furious movies feel like an institution. Maybe the time gap is a big part of it, you know? But there, there's also just the, the cohesion is the characters, but because I can see it turning more franchisey. Like, I think this movie ends with a kind of hint that they could make it very much a, like mega franchise in the years to come yeah. but this is kind of it launching off from silly one-offs into like now let me try to make something recurring about it so yeah, I, yeah. like now i can see it really going into like later fast and furious territory yeah or potentially even literally yeah <laughs> true uh, the will smith is good at driving cars mm-hmm. i'm sure dom could use another person on his on his crew yep <laughs> So, yeah, should we get into pre-spoiler uh, verdicts? Sure. Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this film, Bad Boys for Life, a rating, would you give it a must-see, record of the caveat, wait for rental, pass of the caveat, or a must-avoid? I'm going the same as before. It's a, like a recommend with a caveat. It's, it, it's, fun. It, it's fun seeing that they kept this up for so long. Um, I think, again, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence bring it. Like They, they maintain the same level of charisma that they've always had and i think it works great in this movie but one of them has aged so we can feel the passage of time slightly (laughs) they do Um, they do play with that a lot like will smith 
looks identical. Yeah. Like in all three films. He's just the same. Mm-hmm. So they do some jokes about like the fact that he dyes his goatee because that's the only part of him that is aged. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that because it, it is kind of shocking to watch and see all of the other characters age. Some a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but Will Smith is still fucking just looks a, the same. Just a drop a midnight cocoa. <laughs> Whatever it's called. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, yeah, so it, I, I like that they pulled it off, and I think they do a good job with it. Honestly, I, I know I can't justify this because the the direction of parody is going the other way, but this reminded me of, like, the 21 Jump Street franchise. Like, there's something about it where it feels more silly and playful about who they are in a way that still kept the grand scope, where the first movie was playful but didn't keep the grand scope, and the second movie, I feel like kind of let go of the playfulness a bit and just let it be a, like a full-on action fest. Um, so it was fun that this really kind of struck that balance of like, we can make fun of ourselves and still do the crazy action, but we're we're in on the joke a little more than we had before. So had fun with it. I still don't think it's anything incredible. It's not something I'm going to be rushing out to to see again anytime soon, but I'm totally in for Bad Boys 4. I, I feel <laughs> caught up to the franchise, and I'm ready to return to that well. Way better than Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hobbs and Shaw was an unfortunate spinoff that uh, didn't really try too hard. Um, so, yeah, I am in a weird position because mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to reverse the idea of the caveat in the recommend with the caveat, because I feel like this is like, if if I, if I switch it to like a, if then sort of situation, I think if you've seen the other films, this is a must see because this is a worthy sequel to sort of round out the journey that these characters have been on within the story. And that aspect of it, having kind of watched this big journey of all these characters, I really, really liked what this film did. And I think it's sort of a must see in that standpoint. Is it must-see enough that you should go out and watch all three films? Maybe not. I mean, how do you feel? I <laughs> I feel like you're trolling me right now. I'm just wondering because we both lived that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but that's what I'm saying. It's like we did it because we do a podcast. Sure. And, and, and we're, we're doing our due diligence on this week's release. Um, but would I recommend somebody spend six hours or six and a half, whatever it, whatever the math works out to be. It's like yeah. six and a half hours. Um, Underground. To, to see... <laughs> um, to see all these films. Maybe the journey might not be worth it to everybody. But because we made the journey, I am happy with where we got to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a famous saying that I think... Sums that up. Sure. <laughs> Stockholm. It's not, it's not about the journey. It's about the friends we made along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I like to consider these people my friends. Sure. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I really enjoyed this whole work as it was. Um, as you know from our rating, it's been like a gradual... I mean, friggin' it, Bad Boys 4... Ever or whatever yeah, it's going to be called. We're going to need a new rating. <laughs> it's going to be sky's the limit. Um, it might literally be sky. Maybe they'll be in jets this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I really liked it. It's technically a recommend with a caveat, but it's kind of a musty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> All right. So. I did like it more than Six Underground, which I watched right after. Yeah. It. But first 20 minutes of Six Underground, unmissable. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's the next writing yeah, after Bad, Bad Boys 3 does not have a set piece as cool as the opening of Six Underground. Yeah. 
So Bay still got it. <laughs> All right. So this is the end of the non-spoiler segment for our review of Bad Boys for Life. Um, we are going to go ahead and say our goodbyes for those who don't want spoilers. And then we're going to come back with a spoiler uh, little territory for you. So for now, Stephen Miller... Where can people find you throughout the week? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com, where I finally did my write-up of just <laughs> all the movies that came out last year. <laughs> Why make it best of? Just all of them. I, I think next year, if I would have maintained my spreadsheet throughout the year, mm. I would have theoretically had a, a full 97 film ranking uh-huh. for the year. Um, but... Uh, Somewhere around June, I stopped doing that. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but I would n- never have done the write-up for that. Yeah. <laughs> I Next year, I really won't. I it, it takes too much out of you. <laughs> you think about a paragraph, and then you multiply by 30, and it's like, wow, that's a lot of shit to that's write. That's 30 paragraphs. What's the synonym for good? <laughs> I don't have any more. This film was also very good. <laughs> and with all those films that were, like, both about the same thing. You're yeah, like, yeah. These are really good about people who want to kill themselves. <laughs> Great. Four of them. <laughs> uh, but yes. So, yeah, yeah. You can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will be that lovely, lovely track that we all know and love, Bad Boys theme, mm-hmm. I guess, if you can call it that. Um, but uh, that's playing right now. And once that fades away, we will be in full spoiler territory. So if you don't want to be spoiled for bad boys for life, then uh, what you going to do? Yeah, what you going to do? So dumb. Pretend we said it in unison. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are back. The uh, Bad Boys theme is going away right now. And uh, this is going to be full-blown spoilers for Bad Boys for Life coming at you right now. So here we go. Um, What would you like to talk about, Stephen? (laughs) I want to start with a question. Yep. How do you fuck a witch without a condom? (laughs) Oh, a brouhaha? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, that was a great fucking scene. Yeah. <laughs> I love. Also, I want. There was only. There was only one take outtake. Take out. There was only one outtake during mm-hmm. the trailer, and it wasn't even them having the conversation. It was him asking the other guy that he switches seats with if he would fuck a witch without a condom. Yeah, and I feel like I wanted to see because Will Smith is like pouring his heart out, telling the story about how. You know, he was deep, deep undercover, and he got got with this, and he had basically had an affair with a the drug lord's yeah. wife, and they were in love, and she taught him how to act and how to dress and be all this stuff, and then he got knocked her up, and all Martin Lawrence can say is, "How do you fuck a brujo without a condom?" <laughs> <laughs> and I just it 
that was amazing. Yeah. It, it was amazing. Great scene. <laughs> Great scene. Uh, so, th- so that is where I think there's a missed opportunity is that like, I feel like it wouldn't have been hard to dig into the first movie and like pick someone who was somehow affiliated with the heist that had gone down, someone who was locked up, someone who was put behind bars and reveal that they had a wife that he had been sleeping with on that time. Because he already is, he is sleeping with like the, uh, the sex worker who gets killed at the beginning of that movie. Like we know that like he has hooked up with, people who are like into some criminal things in life and i i feel like it would have just been easy to make it be like we are looping this all back together where my past that opened with the first movie is coming back to get me now and let's recognize how long it's been because you can literally see the age that has taken place because he is running around and shooting people now yeah um and instead they're just like uh it was 25 years ago but it was totally different and it was before we were partners and i feel like that just doesn't like, why? Like, why not give us that? It, but see, to me, it was weird. But see, I think they make up for that problem by laying all the groundwork throughout the beginning of this film. Because we get, we get the, you know, sort of the beginning where uh, Marcus's daughter has her child. And, you know, you get to see uh, Marcus melt over seeing the little baby and holding. And they like okay, – so first of all, throughout, throughout the entire franchise – We've known that uh, Will Smith's character, um, Mike Lowry, is the big womanizer. He can go on and get all the ladies. He dresses to the nines. He's like just the suave, yep. super fucking crazy dude. Great colored suits in every movie. <clears throat> yeah, like uh, he'll go out and do whatever. He can like pick up any lady. It's like this thing that he is the dude, brings ladies back to his like suave pad. He's suave all around him and it's just suave everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, it's really about like he will never settle down. And in this, we see versions of things that he could have settled down with, but he chose not to for whatever reason. And Marcus is constantly like, dude, yo, you want some of this. You want to settle down and just have like a real life with somebody. He's like, nah, I never will. And like it's it's this constant story about baby scare me and I don't want to settle down with any woman. And everybody's like, have you even ever been in love? And he's like, I was in love once. And you know that shit's coming back. It's Chekhov's wife. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that they lay the groundwork to gradually build toward this moment where for him, it's this, fuck, I have a kid. The kid's evil. I'm going to put him in the ground. Mm-hmm. And he has to go through the journey to realize that he's not mad that his son is wreaking havoc on the world and killing all these people. He's mad that he had a son, didn't know, and couldn't be there for him. And it's like he gets to go on this wild, wild, like, growth, uh, not moment, but growth journey throughout the entire film. And Marcus has his own thing. And, like, the, like, there are, so first of all, the thing that we didn't talk about in spoilers is that Will Smith gets gunned down at the beginning of this film, Mm. like, pretty early on by the person we'll later find out is his son. And that really causes this rift between him and Marcus where – because we already had that Marcus sort of wanted to um, settle down and wanted to maybe stop being a bad boy and wanted Mm. to – eat. in the second film, he wants to transfer and get a new partner because he thinks Marcus is too crazy. Um, And in this film, it's beyond that. He wants to just straight up retire. Mm -hmm. And that is really solidified for himself – for him when he sees his partner get gunned down and and almost killed. The film, you know, tries to do a little sort of like – it it tries to – it's – 
I don't think it ever really thinks it has you. I think it's just kind of playing with the idea of tropes of these sort of things. Uh-huh. But they try to do a little fake out where you think it's a funeral, but it's yeah, actually yeah. a wedding. And, like, like no one actually believes that he's dead. Yeah. Um, but it it is still impactful. And Marcus sort of is like, dude, I'm I'm – I already wanted to be out, and this is like I want to be out for real. Like you straight up almost died. I sat in the hospital with you for a long ass time. I don't want to be here. And Mark uh, and uh, Mike Lowry is like, "Fuck this! This guy tried to kill me, and you're not even going to get my back." And it causes this like real legitimate huge rift between these two characters. And of course, one more time, mm-hmm. <laughs> or second to last time, because <laughs> we're getting another film. These characters have to go out together and take on this baddie, and it's sort of like this huge journey that Will Smith's character goes on has so much weight because it's he's willing to sacrifice his like last 25 years relationship to try to take vengeance upon somebody who almost killed him and then on top of that has to learn that that person is a son that he didn't know he had and everything about his persona was created by the mom that mm-hmm. birthed the thing that is trying to kill him. I, I, don't, I, I think it's like an actual pretty complex story that while it feels like uh, deus ex exposition, mm-hmm. <laughs> deus exposition, yep. um, it, it, that is like, once again, the, the journey that gets taken makes up for the left fieldness of the plot as a whole. And it like, it adds legitimate weight that is so much heavier than anything we've seen in the series so far that these characters who have had in real life their own whole careers doing film are now coming back to take these characters to the next level of their lives. And it just I, I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and I was happy with kind of where it worked. Out. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I think I, I think the familial aspect is definitely good. It's there. I think it helps him having a son is cool. It is like it's a good twist that like brings his character his character now gets to be a bad boy and also be like kind of settling down in the process because he's, <laughs> he gets like, to be a dad boy yeah yeah <laughs> dad boys because <laughs> the thing that he's doing is right i need to fix the mess that my past created you know yeah um and yeah i i, I think that's good i do think it kind of Depending on what happens in the fourth movie, I think it may suffer from this problem that franchises like Star Wars and stuff also have to try to work out, which is what do you do when you have a redemption arc for a character who we have seen murder beloved people on screen over and over again, right? Like, how do we have the guy that killed the captain, like, and, you know, a hundred other people in this movie, how on earth are we supposed to in that final moment when like he doesn't die and he's like being, he's limping out and he's on the shoulders of, you know, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Yeah. How does that not have a little cognitive dissonance? And I get it. I'm cool with it. I get it. They even do a better job than most where Will Smith is like, look, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. You've done a lot of shit, you know, but I will be there for you. I, I get that. I just think it, it goes so far. It's, it still just makes me wonder what they're going to do with it in the next movie. But that said, I like the guy a lot and I like him being related to Will Smith. I think it is a cool like Gemini man type twist where yeah. Will Smith is now Mike Lowry is going up against Mike Lowry, right? The yeah, one yeah. person he can't beat is the young version of him. Yeah, the, yeah. the version of him who has like more stamina and more energy and cooler gadgets and everything. And 
you never in this movie feel like Will Smith has a shot at beating him in anything. Like he is just better than him in every way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think that's a cool dynamic. So yeah, I I had fun with it. Uh, we toyed with it before, but I just wanted to mention that I love that Reggie came back in this movie. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the guy who was dating uh, Marcus's daughter in the last movie. Yeah. So not a major role like i went to find him in imdb just to see the actor name and he was like number like 40 listed or something like they really they just went back and got him yeah (laughs) yeah i always i gotta respect when they can do that yeah yeah, no that was fun (laughs) yep uh any last things to talk about uh we'll we'll say this like will smith's description of this woman being the witch and like being you know so crazy and just kill people for fun she doesn't seem that strong when we finally everything comes down with it she really needs her son mm. well i mean i guess she's like trained him to be so deadly yeah, and like bewitched him yeah part of her using her skills is that the black magic thing is also weird because they say it like he talks about it but the only thing we really see of her that is which like is a distraction that she does in the beginning of the movie where she's chanting something and it's revealed, you know, immediately to be a way to throw the guard off her game so she yeah. can then stab her and cause this kind of uproar. Um, so it is like yet another thing where there's this like deus exposition that's going on where he's like, she's a witch, just take my word for it. And then the movie never really does anything to make you believe that she is like actually into that shit beyond yeah. like dressing in black and like using mildly creepy ways to distract people when she's fighting yeah well it could also be like a like a black beard sort of thing where Mm -hmm. it's like it's the equivalent of putting like fuses in your beard to make smoke come out and make you look like a apparition or something yeah so i buy that cool all right well i think we're probably done yeah i think so (laughs) all right well hopefully you enjoyed that triple review of the bad boys trilogy um, we will see you next time. Bye. What about Lethal Weapon? No. You seen Die Hard, dude? No. Bad Boys 2? No. You ain't seen Bad Boys 2? 